Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast. Welcome back. It is the week of May 23rd, 2021, and it is Pentecost Sunday, and we will be back on Zoom this Sunday at 10 a.m., and then next week, May 30th, we will be back in the garden, in the community garden for Church in the Garden. Kelly's going to play some music. Monica is going to lead a garden workshop, and everybody is invited. Uh, unfortunately, our garden has been completely overrun with gophers. I've been trying to take care of it, Googling all the solutions, getting gopher treatments. Nothing has seemed to, to help so far. So if you've come by the community garden in the last week or so, you might be thinking, I thought we planted. Yes, we did. We planted a bunch of stuff. And I wouldn't say most of it's gone, but maybe... Maybe most, maybe maybe half of everything we planted at least is gone. Uh, but hang in there, hang in there. If you've been coming to these garden days or you haven't been coming, uh, this is a weird occasion. We've had the community garden now for, I think, four years, which is kind of wild, and we've never had anything like this. So the fact that we've all been like really invested and involved in the community garden over the last couple of months, uh, and now most of it has been eaten by gophers um, is an unusual experience. So if you haven't come, join us. If you have been coming and you know, you're like, well, now I have, we have to start all over again, it'll be okay. We will, we will rebuild. We will start everything over. That's May 30th. And check out on Facebook or Instagram or the, our website, our summer calendar. We have a lot of fun in-person and Zoom events coming up. So uh, summer, I'm really looking forward to uh, spending time with you all in person. It'll be great. So check that out. Uh, I think that is pretty much all the housekeeping that I can think of. All right, let's dive into our text for Pentecost Sunday. Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 1. When the feast of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Without warning, there was a sound like a strong wind, gale force. No one could tell where it came from. It filled the whole building. Then, like a wildfire, the Holy Spirit spread through their ranks, and they started speaking in a number of different languages as the Spirit prompted them. There were many Jews staying in Jerusalem then, devout pilgrims from all over the world. And when they heard the sound, they came on the run. And when they heard one after another in their own mother tongues being spoken, they were blown away. They couldn't for the life of them figure out what was going on. And they kept saying, aren't these Galileans? How can we be hearing them talk in our various mother tongues? Parthians, Medes, Amalites, visitors from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, immigrants from Rome, Jews and proselytes, even Cretans and Arabs, they're speaking our languages and describing God's mighty works. Their heads were spinning and they couldn't make heads or tails of any of it. They talked back and forth, confused. What's going on here? Others joked, I think they're drunk on cheap wine. That's when Peter stood up, backed by the other, other 11, and spoke out with bold urgency. Fellow Jews, all of you who are visiting from Jerusalem, listen carefully and get this story straight. These people aren't drunk, as some of you suspect. They haven't had time to get drunk. It's only nine in the morning. 
And that's what the prophet Joel announced would happen. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on every kind of people. Your sons will prophesy, your, also your daughters. Young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. When the time comes, I will pour out my spirit. And on those who serve me, women and men both, then they will prophesy. I'll set wonders in the sky above and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and billowing smoke and the sun turning black and the moon blood red. Before the day of the Lord arrives, the day of tremendous and marvelous. And whoever calls out for help will be saved. The word of the Lord. All right. Well, on that note, welcome to Pentecost Sunday. Uh, every time I read that story, we've been doing Pentecost comes around every year. Uh, I, every time I read it out loud, I'm I'm always struck by different lines and uh, the scene and how dramatic it is and how Peter sort of stops everybody in their tracks and sort of corrects them and then reads this or quotes this thing from Joel. Uh, it's it's a it's a bizarre story. It's a weird story. Uh, so the day uh, to set a little bit of context, the day of Pentecost comes from the Jewish tradition, the festival of weeks. It comes uh, in the Christian calendar every year. And Pentecost, meaning fifty, comes fifty days after Easter each year. We're given the opportunity to reflect on this story, in which the Spirit descended on apostles and the early followers of the way of Jesus. And we, we celebrate Pentecost every year because I think it because it reminds us of, or it's supposed to remind us of God's movement in the church and in the world. And we get so caught up in our own lives and the, we're busy, especially this time of year. And the church calendar gives us these connecting points throughout the year. And the season of Pentecost is not just one day. It, it's, it sort of injects some flow and some movement into hopefully the communal life when, whenever we're kind of uh, head down focused on whatever it is we need to sort of focus on or accomplish uh, this time of year. And Pentecost reminds us that God's spirit is wild and untamed and weird and creates these weird scenarios and stories. And we have this trajectory that we've been sort of going on the last couple of months since Easter. Uh, the trajectory goes cross, resurrection, uh, resurrection appearances. Uh, Kelly talked about the ascension last week. And then here we have Pentecost Sunday throwing us into uh, the season of Pentecost. And it is in the absence of Jesus that we have this promise of, of the Spirit fulfilled. And I think oftentimes when Pentecost is spoken about, most of the focus tends to be on this one miraculous event in history. And I don't want to devalue that, but this moment where we read that the Spirit comes on these people that are gathered here like a gale force wind and you know lights them like a wildfire. Uh, I've never been a part of Pentecostal forms of Christianity, so if you have been, uh, 
I would love to hear stories on Sunday. Uh, but I've never been a part of Pentecostal Christianity. But it makes sense that this kind of experience that we read about in this text would be attractive to recreate or to, I don't know, manifest in your own lived experience. Uh, my only, my only uh, example of having attended a Pentecostal church was uh, one time in, in Waco, and I, was, I remember being there, standing there in uh, the like sanctuary as the worship band was playing, and I was just so dumbfounded as I watched people roll on the floor and jump up and down through the aisles and people that were just overcome with emotion and tears and just standing there thinking, uh, what, what am I missing here? <laughs> so I, I have a hard time identifying with the sort of streams of Pentecostal or charismatic Christianity, but, and I don't want to disparage uh, this kind of spiritual experience because I know a lot of people have them and they're very significant in, in a person's life. Uh, but when looking at the historical and theological implications of the Pentecost event, I think the significance uh, is more complex and earthy and creative. And it moves us towards um, reconciling the dignity of all things in the kingdom of God, the, the life and ethic that Jesus lived throughout his adult life and ministry, uh, it connects to more to that, especially in the context of Luke Acts as a two-part story. It happens in the context of liberation of the oppressed, and I think is less about uh, our need for security or power or some kind of spiritual experience. As many of you know, uh, this week will be the one-year mark of George Floyd's murder. And we talked about that last year during our Pentecost Sunday service. And we talked about the importance of the potentiality of a church that is moved by the Spirit to groan for justice, to groan for God's mercy, to move in our lives that our lives might be characterized by healing and in love. And so Pentecost reminds us once again that God's movement is expressed in the uh, dissolving or diffusion of power, in the beauty of diversity. The Spirit dissenters our perceptions and assumptions. Like, like in this story, like an uncontrollable wind. I love the metaphors that uh, the story uses to talk about God and to talk about God's spirit. It's, a, it's like an uncontrollable wind. You know, I like the message that has that little remark of like, they didn't even know where, where it came from. There is no way to even identify God's movement in this story. Like an uncontrollable wind, like a wildfire. And, and God continually manifesting God's self in the universe like this, I think is a really hopeful thing because we're, we're then never able to pin down God. We're never able to have the final word on how God is expressed in the world. I mean, in the first century, we see 
Roman occupation, amassing control through violence. And yet we've been talking the past several weeks about how God's spirit today, if it's moving, it's moving on the margins, accepting those that are unacceptable. And this is how we are called to live and love through justice, to also be accepted, to also uh, express our faith, not in knowing, but in unknowing, to, to love those that the world deems unlovable. Uh, this is God's overwhelming yes to empires no. Roman occupation controlling through violence. How empires today still try to subjugate and control through violence. The Pentecost story is not just taken uh, out of context, you know, in a happening in a bubble. It's happening in the trajectory and in the story of Jesus's life through the Gospel of Luke, his death, resurrection, and ascension. And then the community gathered having this experience of this wild and uncontrollable wind, God's Spirit, including all who have been excluded, all the unlikely people. Uh, Whoever is excluded is included. Whoever was not invited now has a front row seat. Whoever is marginalized is now first in line. And over the last couple of weeks, we've witnessed the horrific violence by Israel against the Palestinian people. And while I'm not an expert in this conflict, there is a massive power differential and force of violence that Israel uses to control and afflict suffering on the Palestinian people. I mean, this is what empires do. Whether that abuse of power is expressed in policing or colonialism or capitalism, militaries, technology, or our drive to control and manipulate our circumstances. The Christian hope is that God's response, in God's response, the spirit moves like a wildfire to burn down oppressive systems, to burn down structures that dehumanize those that bear the image of God, which the spirit is expanding to include everyone and everything. Everyone is created in the image of God. Everything is Christ-soaked. And the love of the Spirit blows like a gale-force wind to bring this awareness into our collective consciousness in our hardened hearts. There is no separation in Christ. There is no distinction in the Spirit. The Spirit is calling us to unity in the beautiful creativity of God's diverse universe. This is always changing, always transforming, always creating. So there is no male or female. There is no slave nor free. There is no Jew or Gentile. Peter proclaims, God will pour out God's spirit on every kind of people. We are reminded that we are all given the same spirit if we have the awareness to accept the gift of what this means, the spirit of God, pneuma, breath, life. This is our continual gift that is always in front of our lips, always moving through our lungs, in and out, pure gift. The acceptance that we are accepted. 
The Spirit of God is God's gift poured out on everyone, which I think can give us a relentless hope in the face of oppression, subjugation, and our personal cycles of addictive or destructive behaviors. The Spirit of God at Pentecost and during the season of Pentecost and beyond the season of Pentecost is always resurrecting, reconciling, recreating, because the Spirit dislodges us from our comfort zones. It dislodges us and places us in spaces of deep faith where we can experience the mystery, the gift of life, the present moment. Because it's presence um, where we might be able to discover our capacity for hope and love amid uncertainty, pain, or the weight of oppression. The communal aspect of the Pentecost story and our story is important as well because the Holy Spirit is emptying into or among the gathered community. And this gives us the courage to be, that God has not left us. Rather, the Spirit is moving among us and within us. And like Kelly mentioned last week, so we need the body of Christ to be Christ's presence in the world for justice and hope. The church, not transformed by grace and engaged in the work of full inclusion, liberation, love, justice for those that are on the underside of power, is not a church dislocated by the Spirit of God, but more than likely aligned with the comfortable and the powerful. It is our presence as the gathered community. Being Christ here and now, that is God's groaning for justice, mercy, and is the work of peace, challenging those in power, reclaiming our humanity, and transforming our world by the wind of the Spirit for the kingdom of God in opposition to the kingdoms of empire, of exploitation and violence. So may the Spirit once again, this Pentecost, move through our lives, decentering us like a mighty wind, to give us visions of the miraculous, a kingdom of God in which the poor inherit the earth and those who are held captive are set free. We pray too that we may open ourselves to be set free. And as always, may we love God, embrace beauty, and live life to the fullest. Be well.